Hey guys, welcome to Thrive Bites, the official podcast of Dr. Colin Zhu, aka The Chef Doc. On every episode, I talk with health and wellness experts from all over the world, such as doctors, chefs, dietitians, coaches, and many more. And I sit down with them and have casual conversations about plant-based lifestyle, how to elevate our emotional resilience, and what it really means to thrive. And I bring all of this to you. So let's get to this week's episode. Okay, guys. Well, welcome to another episode of Thrive Bites. I'm your host, Colin Zhu, and thank you for listening in. Today, I have an awesome, awesome guest for you today. His name is Ian Kramer. Hi, Say hi to everyone, Ian. Me, Colin. <laughs> you and I, we, uh, you know, I actually started with Ian uh, on his podcast. Uh, we were we were just looking this up. I was like, what, episode 39, 39 yeah. or something like that? Yeah, it just really felt like ages ago. So um, for those of you who don't know who uh, Ian is, he is a healthcare allied healthcare professional with degrees in kinesiology and athletic training. Um, by day, he's a public lecturer and he produces his own um, interview-based podcast called the Ian Kramer Podcast. It's a very good podcast. There's a you know great, great uh, array of uh, guests um, on his platform. Um, and a little bit about him, he's very, very into fitness. And since uh, June 2015, him and a group of friends uh, rode in the Race Across America, and they collectively completed a 3,200-mile journey in seven days, 16 hours, and 27 minutes. So he attributes his training and racing all on a plant-based diet. So, um, so I even I I really really enjoy your story and uh, your background, and I think you know how we want to start this off is you know we want to be able to bring our guests um, kind of like a snippet of how our guests kind of come about. You know, for you, what was point A to point B for you? What kind of inspired you, you know, to get to this moment of being a public lecturer? I know that you go all around your community and give talks. You live a very, very well in-depth plant-based lifestyle. But how did you, Mm -hmm. you know, how did you get here? So I would say the point of origin was in 2012, I think it is, uh, January of 2012. I saw the movie Forks Over Knives. I received it as a Christmas present and I watched it and was very impressed. I watched it two times in a row because I just didn't mm-hmm. think that food could have that big of an impact on our health. And before that point, I had been an athlete all my life. I can remember when I was in kindergarten, I broke my leg, coincidentally riding a bike. And when I had this huge leg cast on and I was in my wheelchair, I can remember hitting wiffle balls in the backyard with a bongo bat in, in my wheelchair. Mm. So um, I grew up playing all <laughs> kinds of sports. I was a nine-letter varsity athlete in high school, soccer, basketball, and baseball. And so sports have always mm. been a part of my life. And um, where the cycling fits in as sort of the plant-based cyclist is my kind of pseudo pseudonym online is um, in high school, a friend of mine invited me out to ride on these local, these are called rails to trails where they take old railroad beds and convert them into flat trails, walking trails, running trails. And he said, let's Mm. go for a ride. So we went and I really, really liked it. And I kept doing it. And I bought my first 
real mountain bike. And that didn't last too long because I only rode it on the road. And so I bought my first road bike. Mm -hmm. And then I really started riding and racing competitively when I was in grad school at the time when I watched Forks Over Knives. So the cycling was mm. and the cycling and the forks over knives kind of converged and bef- prior to forks over knives i had I, I had certainly had an idea that food played a role in athletic performance and so watching forks over knives not only solidified the fact that i can possibly improve my athletic performance by eating even better and and more plant based but also try to help people and spread this message of the fact that what we eat plays a huge role in chronic diseases of today that unfortunately we only, Mm -hmm. for most of them, we see increasing. And so that's kind of where my plant-based advocacy came from. I I think that's great. Um, You know, I, uh, for my patients, whenever I see them in the clinic and, you know, I do family practice, so mainly like primary care, you know, I usually give them, you know, one or two references. You know, I, I tell them here, here's a bunch of handouts. I'll go over things with them, teach them things, right? And then I have online resources. And then the two documentaries I recommend are Forks Over Knives. And now we have, mm-hmm. you know, the Game Changers, you know? So for for those of the audience members who haven't seen Forks Over Knives, you know, give us a snapshot of what that was for you. And how does that compare to other documentaries? So Forks Over Knives takes a look at basically the role of diet and lifestyle in the chronic diseases of today. And the reason why it resonated with me is because I'm very data-driven and evidence-driven. And it brought many uh, doctors, I think Caldwell Esselstyn and T. Colin Campbell and and a few others Mm -hmm. too, and uh, Terry Mason. I'm I'm thinking back to my podcast and who I've interviewed from Forks Over Knives. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think Pam Popper was mm-hmm. on there too. And basically these medical professionals mm-hmm. are all saying the same thing that many of these chronic diseases are caused by diet and lifestyle. So I guess in a nutshell, that is what's for, that is what Forks Over Knives is all about, but it's like an hour and a half movie and, and there's much, much more. So I, I'd recommend anyone who's plant curious or who want to learn more, um, certainly watch that movie. And And I guess to your second question, what makes it different than other uh, movies out there? Because you have, because you have like what the health and, you know, you have all these other ones and, you know, it's similar to how when people are looking at health information, you know, they go straight to Dr. Google and you have no idea what's out there. And, you know, you would presume documentaries are similar, right? So how would you say to the average um, you know, lay person or someone who doesn't really have an in-depth health background, you know, kind of pick and choose. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I, I would say what the health and cowspiracy, which were both made by the same kind of, uh, director and producer. Um, I, I, I see them as certainly net positives for the movement. I sort of see them as a little bit more rough around the edges and they're a little, a little bit more edgy, I think, mm-hmm. and a little bit more, uh, mm-hmm. emotionally driven. And, and some would say, well, so I guess if we compare that to forks over knives, I think forks over knives is less emotionally driven and more driven, driven by evidence. Mm. Um, now granted mm-hmm. are, are, does that mean that what the health and cowspiracy have zero evidence? No. And I think I give them a lot of credit 
for I've gone to their website, I think in, in particular Cowspiracy's website, to get citations um, when I'm if let's say I'm writing a blog article mm-hmm, on mm-hmm. the impact of, of animal sure. agriculture on kind of the planet. Um, I go to them and, and, and find resources. So I think their movies are very evidence driven as well. Um, now, something that maybe just to, to, to branch off on and maybe I want to get your take on this, too, is I've read you know, try, I, I want to try to keep an open mind, a very, very open mind. Although I am very, um, pro plant-based whole foods, plant-based I'm, I want, I'm interested in learning mm-hmm. what other people have done to impact their health. And so with that, I certainly watched the game changes when it first came out in theaters, I think back in September and, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. it recently came out in Netflix, as I'm sure, you know, and I read several yeah. reviews um, by kind of prominent um, um, nutrition researchers and PhDs on social media. And and one of the criticisms of the Game Changers was that it was uh, very emotionally driven and that there were, um, you know, th- there wasn't it was cherry picked evidence. And, and I guess I, I would push back against that, but I'm, I'm curious as to, and I know you're the, you're the interviewer, not me, Colin, but I'm curious, I'm, I'm curious <laughs> as to, to get your take on, on the game changers and, and to get you to answer this question too, because I'm always looking to learn, you know, what do you think about uh, the game changers and the evidence um, for, for that? Well, the thing is, is that, you know, I, you know, I watched it in theaters and, you know, I actually, before it came out on Netflix, um, downloaded on um, iTunes and all that. And I think it does a a good job in many different ways where you're not just, you know, you're not just interviewing a bunch of doctors and researchers and stuff, but, um, you know, you're also looking at, you know, real life testimonials from really high performing athletes and who've gone through Mm -hmm. this, you know what I'm saying? So you have their take on it. Obviously there, it's not a double blind randomized controlled study, but you know, you have different athletes from different uh, sports, you know, saying very, very similar accounts on how they feel performances. And it does a good job in trying to debunk a lot of myths Um, in terms of the actual evidence. And I love the fact that they, you know, actually flash the Mm -hmm. citation on the movie Uh, screen um, is that, you know, being a member of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, you get to see, you know, and hear the, you know, most of these speakers, you know, uh, speak, you know, so uh, there's not, there's probably only maybe like a couple I haven't heard in, you know, in person. So they actually cite the same, you know, very similar evidence, you know, obviously, in in different years, you have different, you know, bodies of research, uh, research coming at that time. So I would say they're, you know, they're pretty good um, in terms of, uh, you know, what they bring to light. Um, You know, Dean Warner, she, you know, he cites his own studies, obviously, um, you know, the ones he's done. Um, and then you have Scott Stoll, you have SO Sign. So you have um, you have a good variety of people bringing in their stu- their their um, their um, own package, if you will. So I see very similar to answer your question, very very similar uh, evidence, you know, in presentations mm-hmm. yeah. in, in live. So um, and the thing is, is that it's not to it's not for a movie theater going. Uh, you know, audience, it's people, we're talking about health professionals that um, go to get 
continuing medical education. And in the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, it's not just uh, you know, uh, physicians, you have nurses, nurse practitioners, RDs, you know, all other kinds of healthcare professionals. So they're going there for continuing education as well. So again, it's very, very, you know, very, very similar, you know, bodies right. and evidence that right. we're using. So, but uh, yeah, so uh, great question. Um, so for you, when did you feel, did you feel any differences um, in terms of your athletic journey and performance um, before and after um, well, you went plant-based? Uh, thinking back on it now, I would like to be as transparent and honest as I can. And so Perhaps there was a, a difference in recovery. I felt that I recovered a little bit quicker once I got more of the processed junk foods out and in favor of more antioxidant-rich and, and um, nutrient-rich whole plants. And uh, another difference I noted, which, again, you can, you can think of as very, very important, not only for the layperson but also for the athlete, is I, I noticed my sleep getting a lot better. Um, eating more unprocessed, mm. unrefined whole plants. And so faster recovery and better sleep as a whole certainly led mm. to me feeling better on the bike. Um, and then if you combine that with, if you were to do a study, if you were to look back and, and track my macronutrients before going plant-based and after going plant-based, I would say mm -hmm. my mm -hmm. carbohydrate uh, consumption went up. So, which, which kind of, mm -hmm. uh, directly correlates to endurance. So I felt that my, I feel that that helped me get through my three or four or five hour bike rides when I was in grad school for training. And so I would say certainly I, I, I saw a difference in my performance and recovery going plant-based. Did you, uh, yeah. So going on to your, um, endurance, did you feel like your, uh, uh, your stamina and also in your endurance got better with all this? I would say yes, but I think, again, I, I, I want to preface this by saying this is just uh, my feelings and this is an N of one experiment. But I think there you can, if I made the claim that my endurance got better and my performance got better at a, at a quicker rate relative to, to before when I, when I was not plant-based, I think mm -hmm. you can find this evidence in the literature saying that eating more carbohydrates will increase your endurance for, you know, for, for endurance athletes, um, in, better sleep will, will help your recovery. Eating more whole unrefined plant foods will decrease inflammation, will increase the rate of recovery. Right, so, right. so I would say, you know, um, it wasn't, you know, what we hear a lot in in um, this realm, Colin, is, oh, I lost 150 pounds eating plant-based. That was never me. You know, mm -hmm. I, I didn't have 150 pounds to lose. I, I will say that, a, that a, a, a nice side effect to increase my power to weight ratio on the bike was I probably did lose about 10 or 15 extra pounds. And, you know, I, why is that? Well, I think whole plant foods are um, less calorie dense. Maybe I was leading, eating a little less calories, mm -hmm. um, getting rid of the refined junk foods. So I you know anyway, as a whole, I would say that my performance did, uh, was impacted positively mm -hmm. by cleaning up my diet and just getting rid of the refined and processed junk foods and in favor of unrefined whole plants. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important to note, uh, for our audience members is that, you know, 
everyone is a unique, you know, body and individual, you know, your metabolism is going to be different. Your genetic makeup is going to be different. Um, everything, you know, the body is a very complex system. And so when you're inputting relatively very similar items, you know, like we're talking about the whole foods plant-based, you may not get the same results, you know, and, um, you know, weight loss is a very nice side effect. And, you know, I, it would preface it by saying like, okay, you know, it is nice, but, you know, we are looking for overall health, you know, optimization, long-term health maintenance, you know, things like that. And um, yeah, I mean, that's totally your, your, uh, your experience so far. Um, and I think that's great. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, hey guys, we're going to be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. Let's get let's let's talk about a little bit about your message. You know, you have done a really good job in terms of trying to talk to your community members um, about you know the plant based lifestyle. You know, from your accounts, what has been um, you know people's reaction, you know, when, you know, they hear you speak or the topics that you touch upon and, um, you know, what are some of the common misconceptions that you come across? Well, I would say that my audience, when I present to local high schools or local community centers, local, a lot of local libraries, my audience is very biased towards being curious already towards Mm. plant-based nutrition. So Mm -hmm. it's not, it's, so it really isn't a representative sample of, uh, the population as a whole. These people are already, maybe they have heard about it through a movie or read a book or read, you know, heard about a plant-based diet through whatever source. And they see that coming up in a month at this library, there's, you know, Ian Kramer speaking on plant-based nutrition. So they're already curious how, what's their reaction? I mean, their reaction is generally very, very positive. I would say in <laughs> 65 plus public presentations in the last couple of years in, in my area, I've only gotten about one or two people to be very, very critical of what I was talking about. And I, mm-hmm. I, I got the sense that they were, they just happened to walk into the library coincidentally and they saw that I was presenting and they sit way near the back. And then mm-hmm. when it's, when it's open for questions and answers, they, they, they raise their hand and then they they ask a, a question, but then they're very critical of my answer, which is fine. I, I welcome con- constructive criticisms, but in general, people's reactions are very positive. Their, their eyes are open to the fact that food is very powerful. And then, you know, I just try to give them some, you know, applicable tips at the end on how they can incorporate plant-based nutrition in their lifestyle. So very, very positive, I would say, as a whole. Mm. And then the misconceptions, I always, I love the Q&A at the end that I have. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Some, some common questions that I've been getting in the Q&A are questions around like fish. Like I thought fish was healthy. And I think if, if on the one hand, if we're being honest, if we look at the body of research and we look at let's say populations like a Mediterranean diet and populations that do eat kind of more, uh, more fish, 
Yeah. Um, generally, those populations tend to be fairly healthy. Now, on the flip side, um, we I've certainly heard arguments that, well, you know, we are overfishing our oceans. We have, um, you know, some pollutants in, in yeah. some of the, the fish that we're eating. And so we can heavy have metals, heavy PCBs, metals. Yeah. yeah. So, so we can certainly, I think that's a valid argument. Um, and, and in the scheme of things, I think, again, we can talk about this later, but in the scheme of things, if you want to eat 90% whole foods, plant-based and have a piece of fish once a week, it's not going to cause heart disease. Mm-hmm. And, and you're going to be a million times healthier than you were before eating a standard American diet. So, so I guess misconception one at, or common question one is kind of on fish. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say I get the protein question pretty often. Um, things like uh, questions on yogurt as well. So, I mean, I guess the the main misconception that I try to dispel is that is is kind of along the same lines as the game changers is that yeah. you do not need these animal products to thrive as your as your podcast is about. Um, you, you certainly can in, in, um, you know, small quantities, I, I guess I would encourage what I, my, my, one of my taglines is greatly reduce or eliminate mm. um, foods because I, I try not to draw really, really hard lines. I, I try to, you know, give people the information like, Hey, listen, what matters is 90, 90 to 95% of your calories. The last 5%, it's really, you know, does it matter a whole lot? Well, relative to your diet before, probably not. So mm-hmm. um, I, I just try to stress, as you said before as well, it's big picture. So, you know, I guess ending this um, point on misconceptions, um, you know, that the protein one is a big one, especially for uh, people, adults, or sometimes I've had high school students there who are athletes who want to make sure that they're getting enough protein. Mm-hmm. And what, mm-hmm. I've, what, I've, what I've always said since day one is that if you're getting enough calories – you're getting enough protein. So if you're a high school athlete and you may be burning 3,500 to 4,000 calories a day, is it possible to, to get that many calories in on a, on a whole foods plant-based diet? Yes, it is. Uh, but it would take some, it would take some, some diligence. Uh, and so if you're getting 2000 or 4,000 calories a day on whole plants, um, you're going to get enough protein because just yeah. all the foods you're eating have protein in them and it's going to add up to probably, you know, 100, 120 grams of protein, which is exactly what you need. Yeah, yeah. Depending on, you know, I mean, if you're depending on the level of fitness and physical activity you're doing, your requirements are going to vary. And True. Um, and, uh, you know, it's uh, what we know is that, you know, depending and, and it, we're talking about getting going for a variety. I think it's one of the point we would like to kind of stress um, is going for variety because once you have the variety that you can capture the essential and the non-essential amino acids, which make up the protein that you need. Um, but, um, yeah, I would, um, I would agree with you. It's, these are very common, you know, misconceptions and we, we, in a way, you know, I'm similar to you when I'm counseling my patients, it's, you know, I'm not trying to promote one diet or the other. We just have a overwhelmingly body of evidence, you know, arguing that plants, you know, just does better. And so I try not to go hard and fast like you. I just say, I just want you to at least double or triple your portions of plant food and kind of minimize your animal intake. And, you know, if you look at the blue zones, you know, the, 
the highest concentrations of uh, people over a hundred in the world. Not, not, none of them are actually right. vegans, and they actually they do indulge in meat. But I explain to patients, it's like they save it up for hol- holidays like Christmas or like right. weddings. You know, they don't eat three times three sixty five. <laughs> you know, like you know, like we do. So, um, so I agree with you. It's, uh, it's about where, where that ratio is. So, and, uh, I think, uh, another part of your message is really benefiting our, you know, planet, um, at large. I think we're hearing, I mean, climate change has always been, um, always been in the news, but it's never, it's, it's, I think it hasn't really gotten so much headlines as it is now. Um, I think there's this, um, 16-year-old um, young advocate from uh, Sweden um, that's, you know, making so many headlines because she started off uh, just not going to school because of the travesty of not having enough um, solutions to climate change. So off of what you um, kind of go around and talk and lecture about plant-based, um, there is a effect um, that it does to the planetary health. Can you go talk about that a little bit and, you know, maybe suggest what sure. we can do? Well, this is this is not my area of expertise, but I can speak a little bit about it. I mean, put very broadly, the, uh, you know, animal foods are more resource intensive than, I'm sorry, pl- uh, yeah, animal foods are more resource intensive than plant foods. And so meaning to get, if, if we equate, um, let's say a kilogram of beef versus a kilo uh, of, of beef protein versus a kilogram of, let's say soy protein or, or let's say beans, mm-hmm. it takes more inputs, uh, for animal foods. than it does to, to get that same equivalent protein out of a plant. And so what I mean by that mm-hmm. is, you know, food, water, and, um, logistics to kind of get that uh, to our plates. And so I just wrote a recent blog article about this, um, where the argument that, again, trying to learn more, I, I peruse and I'm fairly active on Twitter. And there's a lot of experts on Twitter talking about this. And what they're saying is the, the contribution of, of agriculture to global warming in the United States is only about 3%. Um, which doesn't seem like a whole lot. But if you zoom out even more, um, the the FAO and I think the World Health Organization puts it at about in the range of 15 to 20 percent globally. Mm -hmm. And so I I thought about this and I I was arguing, well, even though it makes up, you know, animal or I guess uh, uh, agriculture here in the U.S. makes up a small relatively small sliver of the pie in terms of total greenhouse gas emissions in the U.S., does that mean we should just eat as much meat as we can and sort of forget about the rest of the world? I think that's a, sh- that's a short-sighted way of looking at it. And so I think what we should do is think about our place on the planet. And we, mm-hmm. we are, mm-hmm. we, we need to, you know, the global climate change conundrum is something that we all need to get behind collectively. And so, yes. so yes. regardless of, well, the U S isn't contributing that much to greenhouse gases in terms of, of agriculture. So what? I still think that, that, 
Um, if you want to do your part as an individual that and reduce your own personal carbon footprint um, and, and make it smaller in order to do your part to help out the planet, I think eliminating greatly reducing or eliminating animal foods is a great start. And I argue that it is the easiest thing you can do that has the most impact on your own carbon yeah. footprint. And I say that because other people might argue that, well, you're, you're, the electricity that's used for your house is coming from a coal-fired fire, uh, uh, power plant down the road. Or really in my area, I think it's either natural gas or it's nuclear um, here in Rochester. Mm. And someone else may argue, well, what's that you're driving to work? That is a gasoline-fired uh, powered car. And I would say to that, mm -hmm. you'd have a point that that if I had the resources, so we, we buy our groceries on a weekly basis. So if, if within a week or two, I could make a switch from my um, gasoline-powered car to an all-electric, I might consider doing that. You know, if the barriers were... Um, knock down if the if the process was more frictionless, and the same thing goes for um, solar panels. I actually just my wife mm -hmm. and I just kind of explored the possibility of putting solar panels on our house, and it it just mm -hmm. wasn't mm -hmm. it just wasn't feasible for us. It like the 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 the, the hassle, I guess, if if that's for. The con, the cons versus the like, uh, the cons right, versus the price. right, right, right. So my my point is is I, I think I heard this a while when I heard like Jeff Bezos talking about Amazon, where he wants the the process of buying something on Amazon to be as frictionless as possible. And I kind of that's it's mm -hmm. easy for me to conceptualize. And so if you're a a a uh, solar panel company or a an electric car company, like. Like, I love Tesla. I love everything about what Elon Musk is doing. The problem is they're too expensive. And so that mm. is a huge barrier in the way of someone like me, a middle class um, a fam you know, family man, to, um, to buy a $50,000 or $30,000 electric car. Um, so I, I hope that better options present themselves. Um, and so getting back to my point is I think the, the easiest thing that we can do immediately is to lower our carbon footprint, is to eat a more whole foods, plant-based diet. And I will even add to that is um, I put a note here in, in you know, I, I, uh, I uh, put a note here of shopping at your local farmer's market is get, try, try to get your produce yeah. more local and, and, or, and, and do a Google search of how can I lower my carbon footprint and try to implement those mm -hmm. things. But again, I think, uh, uh Beef and and lamb, which are ruminant animals, are one of the biggest culprits of um, greenhouse gas emissions. When you're talking about animal agriculture, yeah. so as a whole, as a yeah. whole, we just need to eat more whole foods and and less animal foods for lowering our carbon footprint. Yeah, yeah. No, thank you for that. I, I appreciate your points. Um, and I also, you know, agree as well. I mean, that is that is probably the quickest way. You know, what I'm saying, but. Um, and there's a, there are a lot of variables, and I think a lot of bar uh, barriers to this is you know proper infrastructure, mm -hmm. right? And this comes from the top, you know, top up to top down, you know. Um, like for example, LA, you know, LA. If you're looking at the mass, 
you know, the, the transport, the, like the mass transportation, the availability of, you know, subways and trains and all this stuff, it's not as efficient um, as let's just say, you know, New York city, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Um, or, you know, anywhere in that area. So it's kind of like, you know, you do what you can, you know what I'm saying? And saying, going to your point about the, you know, one of the naysayers is saying like, oh, you know, it's a smaller percentage given the United States compared to globally. Well, you know, we're looking at, I think they say 20, 20 uh, 50, you know, the World Health Organization is going to estimate around 10 right. billion, right? So it's like, we're almost exponentially getting more and more people, you know, on the planet. And we're not, there's not more land, right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So we're going to be dwindling our resources. So we have to find more efficient ways of renewing, you know, and recycling and reusing, you know, energy sources and, um, and lowering our, you know, carbon footprint. Right. So, yeah, I agree. And, and so I, I interviewed a, a guest for the podcast um, with the World Resources Institute and her specialty was food sustainability. And she was talking about, yeah, by 2050, they're estimating 10 billion people and how we're, we've pretty much at this point maxed out the, the, our land use, um, that is basically, um, that we can farm or that we can raise animals on. Hence, hence the reason why we're cutting down, you know, thousands of acres of, of forest in the Brazilian rainforest, tragically. And so, and so if we think about, okay. We have to feed, let's say, roughly two and a half billion people more than what we have right now. Um, how do we do that? What's the most efficient way to to bring healthy, nutritious calories to these people? And again, if you if you look at a um, number of calories per acre basis, I just don't think you can beat whole plant. You just can't beat plants. You can't yeah. eat it. I mean, yeah. so again, going back to my point of how animal agriculture is very resource intensive and not incredibly efficient. So, I mean, I'm open to, again, this is an area where I want to learn more. I am not an expert. I'm open to other points of view, but, but I just don't yeah. think you can make an argument for feeding 10 billion people on a, a, a high meat ketogenic diet. It's just not going to work that way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have a hard time feeding people right. right now, you know, like let alone, you know, what, another, what, 30 years or something like that. It's, it's not, it's very, very, it's just not feasible. So, um, but yeah, something needs to happen and it needs to happen yeah. quick. So. Hey guys, we're going to be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. Um, Ian, this has been great. Um, I really appreciate uh, you know your input and um, you know what you bring and the work that you do. Um, one of the questions I love asking my guests is, you know, how do you thrive? You know, what is it that gets you up in the morning? What really propels you to do the work that mm-hmm. you do? And um, you know, I want to know how you personally thrive, and then I would love for you to share three tips. Um, for someone that is plant curious and, you know, how they would go about getting started. Okay. So I will say 
with full transparency, we I think we talked about this a little bit before we got rolling, before we got recording. But I've been I've been thinking about this about how I've been struggling to thrive for the last ten months because of a new addition to our family, our first child in, in January, <laughs> and so um, with that, you know, lack of sleep, um, maybe eating a few more junk foods here and there um, for various reasons. And be, and, you know, all those, all those tie into me not, um, exercising the way I want to. So the last 10 months have been fun, certainly seeing, seeing our baby grow up, but it's also been a struggle for me to get back on, on a routine. And so, so what I try to tell myself though, and that I emphasize to other people is don't beat yourself up for not eating, not being perfect, every second of every day. And and a great example is me. For the last 10 months, I have not eaten the best. I have not exercised like I like I recommend to people. Um, but that's for, I would argue, a good reason, you know, a, a baby. And so what I, mm. what I tell people is, is just don't beat yourself up over, um, call them mistakes, learn from those mistakes. And so now I'm trying to get more into a rhythm um, Jack is sleeping a little bit better. I'm trying to get better about, um, you know, th- th- I guess another point that I, I try to think about, I want to be 95 years old and see Jack and spend time with Jack when he's an adult with his kids. And that, that is a motivation for me to, when I'm at the grocery store, get some healthy foods, make some healthy recipes, um, try to do what the evidence says that leads to long life and longevity and exercise and things like that. So I, I really want to stress upon your audience to think of the long-term picture and not just um, a meal to meal or day to day. You know, we slip, yeah. we're human and that's fine. And, and just don't, 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 um, don't abandon this altogether. If you made a mistake, um, get together with a group. You know, I would say listening to this podcast is, is motivation, get together with a local group, get together with a Facebook group and share your victories and your struggles and your, and your questions and, and do that. Um, and so, uh, I guess going along with my, my three tips for the audience, let's see if I can make this quick here. So I would say, take small steps. Don't bite off more than you can chew. Um, in, in terms of some people like going cold Turkey, um, other people like taking this process of, of eating more whole plant foods and going more plant-based very slowly. And that was me. I, I definitely took this slowly. I learned a few recipes. I, I, I nailed them down. I learned how to shop. Um, I had a few hiccups in the road, but I learned a lot along the way. And I didn't go 100% diving into the deep end, which I would argue mm. certain people can do that. Maybe certain people who have had who have had a diagnosis of a chronic disease might need to go more uh, diving into the deep end and do it quicker, but take small steps. Um, number two is, I guess, something you said before that I, I wrote, and I might even say it uh, 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 verbatim here, is you and your health are unique. You know, what, what worked mm-hmm. for someone else? You read a testimonial online of someone lost 150 pounds and here's what I ate. Well, what worked for that person might not work for you based on a number mm-hmm. of different factors. So particular mm-hmm. foods, dietary patterns or strategies might not work for you. So 
what I try to impress upon people is here's the framework and you fill in, in between these data points, what, what kind of motivates you to get healthy, what foods you like, when you like eating. And so I think that's really important is make it individual because you are a unique person. Um, and then the third mm -hmm. thing I would just say is don't overthink it. Think, think very big picture about, okay, this is a whole foods, plant-based lifestyle. I should be eating more whole plants. Okay. Very like the most boiled down you could possibly make it. I need to be eating more plants. Okay. What does that mean? Uh, because I think people just think of, they, they, they overthink this. I mean, keep it simple. Yeah. One of my go-tos yeah. after eight years of being whole foods, plant-based or seven years is still brown rice with avocado and beans or lentils and some salsa and boom, you have a meal and on some salad greens. It's super simple, but it's super tasty, all whole foods. So keep it simple, buy a, buy a cookbook if you want, but um, just think about big picture, being healthy for life, eating more whole foods, and don't beat yourself up if you make mistakes. I love it. I love it. Yeah, that's, um, that's honestly the takeaway um, is really, you know, don't beat yourself up. Um, you know, because it's uh, sometimes for some people, it's a very dramatic, you know, lifestyle change. And, you know, we're not trying to impress upon, okay, if you can't go plant-based by tomorrow, right. this will happen. I mean, that's not the point. That's not the point. So, um, Ian, thank you so much for taking the time out. Um, really appreciate it. Um, if the audience members are curious to look you up or to reach out to you, where can sure. they go? So my, my website with all of my podcasts is plantbasedcyclist.com. Um, there you can find my social media as well. If you want to reach out to me directly and say hello, I'm pretty active on Twitter. It's at Ian Kramer. I'm not so much active on Instagram and that that's at Ian M Kramer. You're welcome to subscribe. And then my professional Facebook page is, uh, is also Ian Kramer. And uh, I like to do uh, Facebook live sessions, um, to, and on Tuesdays at noon Eastern, but, um, you know, just go there and like the page and watch out for, uh, for notifications for when I do these live sessions, just to connect with people and try to help people. But, but, but probably, um, if people want to directly, I, I like Twitter for, um, for reaching out. Okay. Okay. And we'll definitely put those links into the show notes, um, here after when it's done and it comes out. Great. So, all right, guys. Uh, thank you, Ian. Um, you know, I love what you do and uh, we'll definitely uh, keep in touch. Hey, guys, this has been a, another episode of Thrive Bites. Um, check back every week for a new episode and uh, we'll see you on the next one. Hey, guys, that was another episode of Thrive Bites. If you like that episode, please subscribe and follow weekly for new episodes. And don't forget to rate us on Apple Podcasts.